0: For your support, it's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Thursday, August third, twenty seventeen. Taking a risk with this uh, program topic. Looking at my notes thinking,
1: "Yeah,
0: yeah, it's not that obvious. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program That dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. And we take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, (gasps) Self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, that's right, there are no real apostles on the earth today, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we need to be studying instead of the Word of God? Yeah, weird how that works. And over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine and teaching that is put out by the, the most popular folks, and some of the least popular, too. <laughs> it, it's far from what God's Word says at all. This is a comparative uh, program, if you would. We do a lot of comparing and contrasting, and it's to teach you how to uh, understand what God's Word says, to believe the faith once delivered to the saints, to hold the sound doctrine, to rebuke those who contradict it, to protect yourself and others that you love. That's kind of the idea. And if you're new to the program, I gotta warn you: this program is a it, well, it's the theological equivalent of the ice bucket challenge. It's it's difficult when you first start listening because you're sitting there going. That guy, he's a meanie head. He's a gunky brain, and I can't stand him because he's so confident that what he's saying is right, and 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 the stuff he's saying is not what my pastor says. And I know my pastor is a is a great guy. Yeah, I know I understand how this goes. Believe me, I get the emails. But the thing is, is that what I'm saying is don't listen with an open mind, listen with an open Bible. And if you want to challenge me, I, you know, hey, listen, I'm all for it. Uh, but the issue is that uh, you're going to find over and again that when you open up your Bible and follow along, follow along, yeah, um, <clears throat> God's Word says what it says. And what I'm doing here is really just kind of basic reading comprehension, if you would. <sighs> all right, yeah, so looking at my calendar going, oh, man, one month from now... <laughs> Oh, man, one month from now. Next week, uh, the uh, Pirate Christian Radio Conference. That'll be spectacular. Really looking forward to that, but one month from now. One month from now is the uh, beginning of heresy hurricane season. If you don't know what that is, stay with the program and uh, keep listening. And you'll find that heresy hurricane season is that time period between Labor Day and Memorial Day. Yeah, in the United States, I know we have a lot of people listening outside of the U.S., but in the United States, like the first weekend, full weekend in September is uh, we have a three-day holiday and we have uh, you know observance of uh, of Labor Day. Yeah, it's it's the big socialist communist holiday and it uh, doesn't matter we get a day off but <laughs> that's uh, but uh from that point forward that's the big fall kickoff in the uh, in the major mega churches and stuff like that and of course now we've got all the fall festivals you know of the holy feast days of the old testament now that are being observed oh, man to look in my calendar and figure out when uh, the Day of Atonement is and uh, the uh, beginning of the new year, but uh, yeah, five, seven, seven, eight coming up is the big, you know, that this, you know, the new Jewish New Year. Anyway, getting ahead of myself, but anyway, in that period, once the fall kickoff starts, I mean, all of the uh, top drawer heretics are back in business. They're back from their private islands and things like that. And uh, and it gets real stormy really quick in the early part of fall here at Finding for the Faith. In the summertime, oftentimes I'm, you know, scrapping and putting things together. And you'll notice we've only done one movie sermon review. And uh, my goal is to make it through the rest of the summer without reviewing any movie sermons. Those things drive me bonkers Anyway. So, uh, so anyway, so we got the uh, heresy hurricane season coming up. Uh, you know, month of August is going to be a little sketchy for me as far as my schedule is concerned, but that's all right. We'll, you know, we'll get through it. And, uh, but uh, anyway, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Uh, we're going to begin with a new Apostolic Reformation update. In fact, I think the whole first hour is dedicated to New Apostolic Reformation uh, uh, stuff. We're going to begin by listening to the latest so-called Apostolic Prophetic Revelations, Direct Words of God, prophecies from the Apostle herself, Cindy Jacobs. Mm-hmm. This, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't normally recommend stiff drinks here at Fight for the Faith, yeah, and especially if you're driving, um, you know, just saying that uh, an adult beverage <laughs> may help take off the edge of uh, this particular uh, series of prophecies that we're going to be listening to from uh, Cindy Jacobs. I- I'm surprised that I b- haven't kind of I haven't actually been addressing these as they've been coming out. That's kind of odd of me. But uh, second half of the first hour then is dedicated to this uh, new apostolic reformation doctrine known as the new breed. Now you're thinking, well, the new breed, what is that? You see, uh, within the new apostolic reformation, going back into the latter reign, they have this belief that, In the days leading up to the immediate return of Jesus Christ, the God is going to raise up, it's come by different names, the new breed or Joel's army, this younger, young generation of miracle working signs and wonders, anointed types who for them, uh, the uh, the operating in the supernatural will be as natural as breathing for the rest of us. And, uh, and, uh, put forward within the NAR uh, as men who are part of the new breed. No joke. This would include Todd Bentley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Houston Medical Center <clears throat> Resurrection uh, comes to mind, but that you know again, no evidence that that actually happened. Todd White. Uh, Todd White who I think is on staff over at Gateway, Um, and uh, Matt Zorger. All of these fellows have been put forward as uh, members of the new breed, yeah, of the Joel's Army. So we're going to take a a look, kind of a – we'll do a profile uh, of the new breed uh, through these three men and take a listen to – uh, video documenting and chronicling their claims to being part of this special new breed of Christians that God is apparently raising up, and then in hour number two we're going to listen to a sermon by Brian Houston, and this is a um, this is a sneaky one, a really super duper sneaky one, and uh, uh, kind of the, in fact, if you don't listen to hour number two, this one is worth listening to. Um, Brian Houston is going to, as part of the sermon, talk about Acts chapter 8 and the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, in the past, Brian Houston has used the Acts 8 Ethiopian eunuch fellow uh, to be a guy who uh, was experiencing um, uh, gender um, identity issues. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, maybe homosexual, uh, things of that nature. And he's still kind of using that. He's being a little bit more um, surreptitious in how he's using it, in this snake-like. Anyway, Uh, he's uh, being very careful in how he handles this. But, you know, over and again, uh, Brian Houston has demonstrated that when he gets to this text or he uses this text, he uses it a lot like progressives use it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah um there is a, 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 a an ELCA uh fellow you know, I can't call him a biblical scholar cuz he's not um and he wrote about this text and he talked about it being the uh, the quote queering of the Ethiopian eunuch so the Ethiopian eunuch story is often held, you know gone to by those who held, hold a less than biblical uh, view of like transgenderism, homosexuality and things like that um, as somehow, you know, scripture making room for uh, the person who wants to, you know, who claims to be a Christian yet is um, impenitently engaging in um, sexual identity Obfuscation. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, if you want to know the biblical um, the biblical point of view on this, it's quite simple. It's found in Genesis. God made them male and female, and um, and sexual intercourse is reserved biblically uh, for uh, men and women who are married to each other. And we need to make this clear: uh, one man, one woman, married to each other and uh, that's the only place where um god has well you, you made sexual intercourse for and uh in in our day because uh, we're in a postmodern culture where feelings are the rule of the day yeah it, feelings seem to be the thing that uh govern <laughs> people's uh, beliefs systems and morals rather than the objective written word of god um, you know this has become a major problem in society as a whole, and the problem is there are people within the wider Christian church who have completely capitulated on these things by you know because they desire to be relevant they desire to have large churches and in order to have the the biggest in the, the biggest church, you have to have the least um defined <laughs> Theology, even on issues so clear as that. Anyway, you kind of get the idea. So this is a sermon that we're going to be listening to from Brian Houston. Wow. Is, uh, is it mm, bad in its uh, handling of the text of the Ethiopian eunuch? And uh, we'll listen as part of that. We'll actually go back and review how uh, Brian Houston has used that text in the past. So with that, let's get into the program proper. Yeah, sorry for the hard turn here, but uh, we need to move forward. And uh, since we're going to be doing a new Apostolic Reformation update, let's do this.
2: Gee, what do you want to do tonight?
1: Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the brain. Yes, Pinky and the brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. Laboratory mice, their genes have been sliced. The Pinky, the Pinky and the brain. brain, 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 brain. Before each night is done,
0: All right. I hope you're sitting down. In fact, you know, I better do this. I just think about the, uh, the, the well-being the you know, the physical well-being of the listeners of Fighting for the Faith. (laughs) What we're going to be listening to could melt your brain. So I I, let's do this. All right, you have been warned. So uh, we're gonna st- <laughs> we're gonna be listening to a series of uh, recent prophecies uh, or prophetic words given apparently to the uh, uh, apostolic leader, the Apostle Cindy Jacobs. We begin by heading over to the Jim Baker program as she explains that God gave her a one word power prophecy uh, that's in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we go.
3: I was in Miami uh, recently, and uh, so I'm getting ready to go preach at a uh, Maldonado's church, a large Latino church. church. And so we're driving.
0: Yeah, that would be so-called Apostle Guillermo Maldonado, uh, who is not an apostle at all. He is a false apostle.
3: Church, and the Lord says to me, "Basta." And I saw am asking my driver, what does Basta mean? And, Mondo?
0: I can't believe God speaks to you in Spanish. Brother. He did. Yeah, God isn't speaking to her at all.
5: <laughs> because it's the
0: language that means I'm for you that God speaks, Spanish. I love it. It's the heavenly it's, language. It's now the
6: I can language go to heaven. of
4: heaven.
3: That's right. It means
6: fed up. No more. <laughs> that's what it means, Basta. Yeah, and
3: yeah. that's Okay, yeah.
6: wait, what? wait. Now, Basta means okay. enough. It means enough. Yes. He's fed up. Fed yes. up. Same say it goddess. in Spanish.
0: Basta. Do it. You see, I, I think that if God actually said basta to Cindy Jacobs, he was telling her enough of this nonsense, woman. You're not an apostle. You're not a prophet. You're not hearing from me. So I, I'm going to basically say to you enough is enough. Maybe, see, I think she misinterpreted the uh, the word. Uh, basta.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah literally that's like bishop just said i mean uh that when the enemy comes in like a flood yes. what you do is say basta i have a word Woo. R-
0: right yeah
1: wow so we to can hear this and, and,
3: this in, and basta means the same in italian and, uh, and it's so much stronger. All my Latino friends say, oh, you gringos, you know, yeah. you can say enough or whatever, but it's not strong as it is in Spanish, right? Basta. Yeah, it Damn. literally means, <laughs> you know, you are dead. This is over. I'm not going to allow yeah. you to go wow. one,
4: yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, that's the word <laughs> that apparently God spoke to uh, Cindy Jacobs, basically telling her, you're dead. Enough is enough. <laughs> She's not taking it that way, but she's sharing it there at the uh, Jim Baker show. Yeah, that should tell you something about Jim Baker's lack of biblical discernment in theology.
3: I'm not gonna I've drawn a line in the sand. Yeah. You're not messing with my emotions, you're it's not fun. messing with my wow. money, you're wow. not messing with my kids. Basta! Buster, Enough! I mean, I have the, the over word a few for the show. Things. I sit That's up. The the, yeah, I sit up this morning <clears throat> well, you say in my good. room and I said, I said, okay, I, I named a few things off and I looked and I said, In the name of Jesus, Satan,
0: Basta. Yeah. Ooh.
4: I'm telling you.
0: So you, you, you told the devil, Basta. Mm-hmm. In the name of Jesus, even, yeah.
3: It's enough. you you know,
0: Listen, it, there's nothing better and more entertaining than listening to uh, Cindy Jacobs screaming at a microphone.
3: Listen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's right. powerful. Yeah. And then.
0: No, it's not.
3: The Lord also spoke to me oh, just recently. I gave a word and the Lord said there is a spirit of delay that is coming against the body of Christ to try to wear them out. Yes, yes. A
0: spirit of delay. To wear out the body of Christ? Oh, no! Oh, we need a Basta!
3: 725, so they don't get their dreams fulfilled! That's, That's- What?! The only way it'll happen is if you're so emotionally tired, you are so depressed, you are so weary, you are so worn out, and it's demonic weariness. Listen to me, this is demonic weariness.
0: Demonic weariness, folks. Demonic weariness. Uh, We we need the Basta word. This is not of God. Maybe we could sell some Basta pasta, you know.
3: It is satanic. I feel the anointing of God on me Hmm. right now.
0: No, you don't.
3: And so I, we just say, "Spirit of delay, yeah. bust ah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're not stopping the vision. You're not stopping my finances. You're not stopping what God wants to do through Jim
4: Baker. Bust
0: yeah. I, I assure you, God's not working through Jim Baker. Bust Yeah, there you go, bust How has the Body of Christ survived? without the prophetic BASTA word up until now.
6: Say it Come on. with me. Say, say it. Basta. That's why you're here. He's
1: stopping the train. And he
6: Are you hearing me? You're here to say, stop it. That's right. BASTA.
3: BASTA. B-A.
6: Yeah,
0: that's what God's saying to y'all. Y'all need to BASTA.
6: T-A. Come on,
3: try it. Be that's a, a prophetic Latino. swear word. Come on, BASTA. 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 Stop it. That's right. And, you know, so Whoa, the Whoa, that's powerful. Is, I mean, what the,
0: no, it's not.
3: ...said to me, Whoa. Jim, is that...
0: This, you'll, you'll notice the Bibles are closed there at the Jim Baker show. We don't need a Bible. We've got the Apostolate, uh, Cindy Jacobs.
3: Is it? He this
0: said... Is it. This is for millions of people. Yeah.
3: Yo, this I know is it. it. This it is it. It is. It is. It is. I'm telling so you. so the Lord said to me, listen, I'm telling you something. I'm going to look at you, Jim Baker... What Satan has tried to do with your health. Mm-hmm. And this is what
4: I say. Basta Satan! Yes. Hi-
0: so whatever's wrong with Jim Baker's health, I mean, it's cured now because um, Cindy Jacobs just screamed Basta in his presence. Yeah. Basta!
6: The weariness goes! Yeah. The healing That's what
0: they don't believe the word of God, you know, regarding how God actually works through the means of grace. But they do believe that God works through the word basta.
3: It's been an unnatural. It is. And so we. Weariness. Think, yeah, and we know. But that, what, how does the spirit of infirmity work? A spirit of infirmity puts, puts sickness on us. And so, like, what we do is, like, okay, we're feeling a little, you know, something. But if we don't go after it when it begins, it's like this little mosquito. You know, like, oh, well, I wonder if they'll bite on this. I wonder if I can put a thought in their head Mm -hmm. they're going to die. Mm-hmm. They're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. So if you agree with that and you start thinking, ooh, is there something really, really seriously wrong? Then, you know, he comes. Until finally it's like a bomber, B, B1 B bomber, yeah. B2. All of those. One of, of, of those stuff. numbers. Yeah. Anyway, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then, and then what happens in your body starts to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. And I'm not okay. saying ignore symptoms or anything like that. Of mm-hmm. course not. But I'm telling you. A lot that you have gone through is simply warfare to wear you out. And I'm saying to you, man of God, you rise up.
0: Okay, so the man of God, Jim Baker, is supposed to rise up because, you know, Cindy Jacobs has uh, given the breakthrough word of Mm basta. Now, uh, still under the uh, New Apostolic Reformation update, let's uh, check in. With the Cindy Jacobs, uh, you know, follow-on word from God, it's it's time to stand. Here we go.
3: For the Lord would say that Satan is trying to bring chaos into your life, and when chaos comes, it it destroys. It destroys relationships. It destroys feelings. Uh, it, it destroys your body. And the Lord would say, you need to understand. Th-
0: the Lord would say subjunctive there
3: and go back to those first things of understanding that you don't wrestle against flesh and blood but you wrestle against the evil one for i do not put sickness on you i do not put poverty on you these things are not my will and i never bring chaos into your life for i am not the god of confusion i am a god of order i'm a god of blessing so the lord says stand up And even as the Lord gave me that word in the last word of encouragement, Basta, which that Spanish word that means I'm fed up, enough, no more, say Basta, say no more.
0: Uh, Apparently she got, she went on tour, you know, uh, spreading the Basta word around.
3: To the enemy, say no more to the God of chaos. For they, these spirits are coalescing and they are working together to rob you of your destiny. And how do you know that when this thing is manifesting, well, you feel
0: R- R- spirits are running around uh, trying to rob you of your destiny? Uh, no biblical text says that.
3: So confused. Uh, uh, it's, it'll start even with you're not able to find things, and then you feel a little frustrated. But from there,
0: sounds like the early signs of dementia.
3: You can't figure out where to go in your life, and from there, uh, from there, it it uh, causes uh, problems in your home relations, and then it escalates from there. So the Lord would say, "I want you to understand the wiles, and methodology that Satan is trying to use against you." For Satan right now, this god of chaos is trying to the the demon of chaos is trying to bring uh, this into the Congress is trying to
0: Right, yeah, so the demon of chaos is, uh, the devil's trying to smuggle him in to the U.S. Congress Wow, what do we do to stop him? Quick
3: somebody yell Basta Polarize the people of nations where they where they fight against each other, and this chaos spirit is very akin to a spirit that brings war.
0: Chaos spirit, yeah, wow, yeah, well, that, well, we're doomed. Yeah, the chaos spirit is on the loose.
3: The god Wotan, or the, the demonic power Wotan, oh.
0: what? The demonic power known as Wotan. (laughs) Where'd you get that name from? And you'll note something here. In the New Apostolic Reformation, getting the names of geographical demons is a vital part of their spiritual warfare strategy and tactics. So some enterprising... Uh, NAR type somehow figured out the name of a geographical spirit named Wotan mm-hmm.
3: Is a demon that tried to rise up and, and even destroy um, Germany and destroy many other nations so understand this I'm calling you to go up higher I'm calling you to learn to take your authority for I have given you more authority you do not even begin to understand the authority I've given you but it grieves me that many days will go by and my children will not take authority against the works of darkness.
0: Yeah, why aren't you taking authority? You do that by the new prophetic word, Basta, you know? I have
3: given you the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I have given you the keys to fight against what the enemy would do. So stand up, pick up your shield of faith, pick up the, the sword of the spirit that I've given you, And do battle. Do not let these things come that come from invisible forces.
0: Right. Don't let them come. Whatever you do. And they're invisible. So there's no way of knowing whether or not they are coming, have arrived, if they've set up shop or if they have vacated. You know, this is all in the land of make believe
3: arrayed against you for i have given you that spirit to fight i have told you to stand and fight and to wrestle and so the lord would say i'm calling you to be who you are you are my sons and daughters you are those that i have given great authority in the spirit and i'm gonna stand with you right now and i just want us to say basta in the name of jesus
0: seriously this is just nonsense. No more. In the name of Jesus, say. This is not prayer. I mean, you would do better to actually use real words. You know, like Lord God, please deliver us from evil. Mm-hmm. Maybe pray the Lord's prayer because Jesus said, when you pray, say, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done." On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or you can even say, deliver us from the evil one. Because that's a good translation of uh, what Christ said there. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. You see, you would do better to pray that than say, in the name of Jesus Bosta! <laughs> I assure you that Bosta will not help you, and that's not prayer at all. I don't know what that is. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My mail address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Higher Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be looking at the New Apostolic Reformation, uh, a doctrine known as the New Breed. A little profile: the New Breed theology. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
7: sissy religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for
4: the Faith. you're listening to Pirate
6: Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now.
4: <laughs>
6: Max Holidays, Bird Cage Theater presents Church Day Select. I got a large, non-fat, decaf mocha with no whipped cream, two pumps of chocolate, and diet soy milk for Tiffany.
2: Oh, actually, it's just Tiff.
6: Oh, uh, sorry, uh, Tiff. Then,
2: like, thank you so much.
6: I've never made a drink quite like this before. I can't even imagine what you call it.
2: My friends call it like the Why Bother, but it sure doesn't stop me from loving it. Nice talking with you. Adios. I am so sorry about that. Anyway, where was I? All right, so you won't believe what happened to me on Sunday. So, like, you know how I've been trying to learn more about Jesus and God and stuff? Well, ever since I got into it, my friend Brittany has been begging me to go to her church. It's that big building on Michigan Street. It's got, like, a stage and a praise band I mean, it's got like a ton of people, so the pastor must be pretty cool, right? Well, the sermon starts. I've got my Bible, my notebook, my pocket catechism, and my flower pen. All ready to hear about God. And what does he talk about? A bird. This guy went on some 20-minute bunny trail about a blue bird that landed on his windowsill. And I'm just sitting there like, what about Jesus? I mean, they had just had a laser light show about how much they loved him um, Hold that thought I have to use a little girl's room I'll be back in a sec
6: So Jeff said Wrecked him
2: Wrecked him You practically
6: killed him <laughs> 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 Oh I am so sorry I've accidentally dumped my why bother all over you Your outfit is totally ruined Here let me use these only slightly absorbent napkins To wipe it up for you. All right, he's there. A little bit there. And, uh, there. That seems to so have gotten most, most of it. Here's my business card if the stains don't come out. I happen to own and run. A dry cleaner's just down the road. Anyway, gotta run. Oh, I am so sorry. I've accidentally dumped my second white father all over you. Why does this keep happening? Please take my card.
2: As I was saying... I don't even think these people realize what Jesus did. Let me explain this to you. So, first of all, I'm like a sinner, and I need forgiveness, right? So God was like, I'm gonna send my son. So Jesus came, and he died on the cross, and everybody's sins were forgiven, and we were all like, cool. So when I go to church, I wanna hear about Jesus. But for some reason, these people don't even talk about Jesus. You know, if you think about it, the church is like totally God's house. So Jesus invited all of us to his forgiveness party, and we all shut up and said that we loved him, and then we completely ignore him. That is so rude. Not only is it rude to God, but it's a total ripoff for me. I want to hear about how my sins are forgiven, but instead these people are like, let me tell you my life story. Um, excuse you? You think that your birds are more important than God? That is so rude. Honey, what happened to your shirt?
6: Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Reformanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Reformanda and join the fight for the faith today.
0: Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that Cindy Jacobs is a false apostle and a false prophetess. And the reason for that is because she is. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to into the world. And you can partner with us. It's a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Rank is based upon your monthly contribution. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at a month, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208, and let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, moving along. We're still under the New Apostolic Reformation update. Uh, Update. (laughs) But uh, let's kind of reset by doing this.
1: Down at an English
0: fair, one evening I was there. When I heard a showman shouting underneath a flare. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are standing in a row Big one, small one, some as big as your head Give them a twist, off the a
6: wrist That's what the showman said
0: I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts
6: Every ball you throw will make me rich
0: There stands me wife, the idol of me life singing roller roll a ball, a penny a pitch Sing and roll a ball, a penny a
1: pitch Sing
6: and roller bowl a ball roller bowl ball and roller
0: bowl a ball a penny a penny. Yeah, that's right. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. So we're going to do, if you would, a, uh, a three-part profile on men who are a par- apparently um, part of what is known as the new breed. The new breed, uh, well, these uh, this group of men supposedly who are um, <clears throat> part of this end times younger generation army that God is supposedly raising up, who are capable of, well, um, well performing in the supernatural um, as easily as you and I breathe and stuff like that. Yeah, Todd Bentley, you know, the, the reason why the Lakeland revival was such a big deal was because Todd Bentley was apparently part of the new breed. Let me take you back in time to the Lakeland Revival. Here we go.
9: Paul, I saw the angel. And when you came out here tonight, Paul. Now that's Paul Kane. The angelic activity was released in the stadium. And then I turned around and I saw Paul Kane. Step onto the grass. I never saw you step out onto the grass. But James Gall looked at me and he said, Todd, the angelic was just released and it was going crazy in the stands. And then I turned around and I saw you. And I realized the atmosphere changed when you came back out here tonight to step out onto this pulpit. The power of God came in. And the glory and His majesty and His holiness came in. And I felt the, the presence of Jesus. And you heard me say tonight, Paul, that I felt an impression that the Jesus himself came to me. And I felt the Lord came to me out of honor because he was pleased that you accepted my invitation to come and release the prophetic word and the prophetic blessing. Because I'm telling you right now, God is redigging the well and there's a healing revival that's here and you saw it and you had the reoccurring dream. So God's redigging the well. Yeah. And you had the reoccurring vision and you received it right here inside central florida and right here in central florida something has begun and it's going around the world and it's global and you being here tonight is prophetic history and paul i would be honored if you
0: were prophetic history just remember those words uh, todd bentley claiming that what we're about to hear and what he, we're listening to right now is prophetic history
9: and pray a blessing of healing revival just over every hungry heart and soul watching on the television and they're burning in their hearts right now Paul and I know you are with William Branham I know you were with you did meetings you traveled with the greatest healing evangelists of the late 40's and 50's and those seeds those healing seeds are in you Paul and I believe that you would release a prophetic blessing a father's blessing a grandfather's blessing because you've carried the word since the 70's and you delivered the word in verse so many years, and something's begun to come to pass, and I would be honored if you would release that. I feel it stirring in my heart, Paul.
1: Father God, in the name of our precious Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you've answered my prayer, that you let me live to see tokens of this revival, or be involved in it some way, and be a participant if possible. And Lord, you have never uh, allowed me to say that I have met the new breed. Uh absolutely met the new breed.
0: Did you hear that? Yeah, Paul Cain. Disgraced Paul Cain. Uh he claims that uh, he is he has now seen the new breed. You know, it remind you remember when Jesus was presented in the temple? Mm-hmm. And uh, the Simeon in Anna, yeah. So uh, you know what, what? What does Simeon say? O Lord, let us thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all peoples, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Right. So yeah, th- that's the uh, the Simeon song. If you attend a liturgical church uh that those words get sung a, a, every Sunday as part of what's known as the nocmittus and uh but this is kind of the nucmitis of the um <laughs> of the new apostolic reformation, Paul Cain saying, Oh Lord, now your servant can die in peace because I have seen the new breed And and who is the new breed' Yeah, Todd Bentley apparently is a token part of the new breed.
1: When you uh, brought uh, Todd, uh, Bentley, and I together, the angel of the Lord said, you've found what you're looking for. This is a man without guile. Just as the uh, the um, man was up in the tree, and uh, what was the man
4: that uh,
0: behold? Zacchaeus. Um, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus. Yeah, Zacchaeus may have been in the tree, but he wasn't the man without guile. That's Nathaniel. No, no, no. Nathaniel.
1: Nathaniel. Behold Nathaniel in whom there is no guile. And I couldn't believe... Yeah, no, there's lots of
0: guile in uh, Todd Bentley. Lots and lots of greed and guile. And uh, adultery and things like that, yeah.
1: When people were criticizing Todd that surely had some kind of guile in him. And the Lord spoke to me as clearly as he's ever spoken before. And I've stood by the notables and the greats that had the greatest healing ministry of all times. And uh, I've never met anyone that has the integrity...
0: <laughs> it says the disgrace, Paul Cain. Wow.
1: ...and the possibilities of... Uh, leading this thing into a worldwide revival. And I, can
0: you imagine, uh, Todd Bentley, leading the world into a worldwide revival?
1: I just want to confer and bless whatever I can do, whatever God has given me to do. I just place myself in an available position to hear from the Lord and to transfer and give to my brother who has given so much to others and so much to me. Everything you've ever deposited into my life that I didn't know how to give away. I'm giving it to my brother tonight to carry on this revival until the stadiums all over the world have been, uh, have been catching this and have been carriers of it and taking it from one end of the world to the other. And thank you. I have met the new breed here tonight, and I appreciate it in Jesus' name. And may the Lord anoint every one of you for you to be particip- uh, participants and go all the way with this. And somebody didn't want me to here tonight. You know who it was. It was Satan, but he's trying...
0: Yeah, the devil didn't want you there to announce the new breed, apparently, yeah.
1: Everywhere in the world, to my mind, to plug my mind, but... It's coming unplugged, and you better let me go now before I go wild. Amen. But while I was praying for the young man with the heart, uh, thing, the thing that's our, all of that, the Lord showed me that it could be about 300 people here go home free from the uh, effects of atrial fibrillation, of... All kinds of murmur, and while
0: he 's at it, I mean, just call out healings and stuff, so you kind of get the idea here, Paul Kane, the disgraced Paul Kane, said that Todd Bentley there was no guile in him, and now Todd Bentley is the disgraced Todd bentley, but uh, he 's not the only person who is part of the uh the new breed no no let 's uh, check in with a um, with Todd White as he explains how he himself is uh, Part of the new breed. Back in um, 2008
5: when Patricia King came to a glory school and I, I met her for the first time and didn't know her. And I went through the glory school and it's very biblical, just amazing, just precept upon precept lineup.
0: Yeah, I've actually listened to this CDs from the Glory School. Yeah, no, it ain't biblical. It's it's literally a case study in how to twist Scripture up really good so that nobody understands what it actually means. I, I had no idea what it was. It was awesome.
5: And uh, she called me out and prophesied over me. And when she did, she prophesied these two words, new breed. And it just it hit, went right
0: to my heart, just knocked me down, actually. I was under the weight of that word. In my yeah and his, uh, word knocked him down, and he, heavy, heavy word, apparently. You know, couldn't bear up under the weight of it.
5: And uh, just on the ground for a while, but what God's been stirring in me is that he's raising up a generation that will be the new breed, a new breed of Christianity, a new breed, one. New
0: breed of Christianity. huh? Yet Jesus says in the Great Commission... <clears throat> authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, as you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing, teaching them all that I've commanded. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Yeah, so there is no new breed of Christians. There is no new doctrine to reveal. Nope, we, uh, Christians are to be making disciples of all nations, teaching all that Christ has commanded, baptizing, teaching all that he's commanded. But there's only one place we can go for that. And that's in the written Word of God. So you'll note this, that in the NAR, this is a major doctrine that always keeps people in this anticipation for the next thing that God's doing, which is one of the reasons why we're hearing in the charismatic movement the You know the plea and the call for and the get ready for revival revival's going to come in this you know, the billion souls harvest who's going to be at the helm of the billion souls harvest it's the new breed, the new kind of Christian that's never existed on the earth, well, like, with the exception of the apostles back in the first century they, they're going to be just like them,
5: uh-huh walk in the love of God that is so consumed by a passionate love for him. Of passionate love that's from him, for him, and back to him, where we're so consumed with the love of God, where there's no temptation in an area to walk in this area or to walk in that area because the love of God—they'll
0: practically be sinless.
5: So tasty is so meaty is so delicious that anything other than that isn't an option because there's nothing that separates. Why? Why would we as Christians? when sonship is established what we what we know is our dad he's our dad i'm a son he's my dad and nothing gets in between here where there's a life of no compromise that's established because compromise separates relationship you can't bite your so
0: there will not be any sinless compromising on the part of the uh, the new breed and by the way Todd Bent uh, not Todd Bentley but um we, Todd White here claims to be part of the new breed. And, well, Paul Kane said that uh, Todd Bentley was part of the new breed. Uh, but clearly he's, he's given in to temptation, you know.
5: And, and walk Christianity out. You can't bite your lip and let your conduct be honorable. You can't bite your lip in a traffic jam and say, okay, I'm not going to be upset, I'm not going to be upset, I'm not going to be upset. That doesn't happen. But there's such a love relationship established between my father and I to where that person is a valuable instrument that God wants to use their weapon. They might be a weapon of sin, a slave to sin right now, but they're going to become an instrument of righteousness. And God's value for them is profuse. So when I see them and I see them being angry or flipping me off or whatever, I look at them and I say, God, you're just going to get that one. I thank you for that one right there. Where any area, no matter where you are, there's no compromise. There's no question of whether... Yeah,
0: no compromise. In order to get there, you have to use the, the recently released word basta, I think think.
5: We're going to fall into a a fornicated lifestyle because why would we want that when we have this? When this is established, when sonship is established, there's no compromise. Why would I want to join myself with another when I'm already joined to him unless it's in a marital status? This thing's amazing. It's totally different than anything I've ever even heard of, ever even dreamed of, because the gospel is 100% supernatural. But there's such a place to be in God where sonship is established, where righteousness is the core of everything you are, where he's the center of everything you are, where God is the focus of every day in everything. Like where we come to the realization that we absolutely can do nothing without him. I can't even go to the gas station and pump gas without him. I can't go to the mall.
0: And- yeah, that's right. It's impossible for you to pump gas without the manifest presence of God. Yeah
5: without him. I can't go to a grocery store and buy groceries without him. I can't go anywhere without him because he's my dad and he loves me profusely. Look, it says in Hebrews, it says in Hebrews twelve fourteen. it says, pursue peace with all people and holiness for without which no one will see the Lord. That scripture can be taken a couple different ways. Some people say without peace and holiness, we'll never see him, which is true. But without peace and holiness in your life as the Christian that pursues God, the love of God. So
0: it's up to you. This is turned into salvation by works.
5: Profuse, where deep cries out to deep, where our heart and his heart become one, where we're intertwined, where our views become his views, not by a robot, but because of the divine grace of God, where he intertwines our thought processes, where we become one where we pursue holiness and peace with all people. Because without us doing that on an individual basis, people will never see God in us and will never want what we have.
0: Yeah, What's weird is that uh, Romans 12 is not talking about what the new breed is supposed to do. Yeah, it's a, an exhortation for Christians.
5: Hmm. So there's such a place to grow. In, and look, there's this... Miracles are becoming more prevalent. The healings are more prevalent. They're just...
0: Yeah, no, false claims to false miracles are becoming more prevalent.
5: Profuse God will flow through anybody because he loves people. And a lot of people come to a place without sonship where they do a miracle but don't realize they're a son.
0: Or they do a healing and don't... What? (laughs) So they do miracles but don't even realize they're a son. Uh Uh-huh. What are you talking
5: about? Their son, and when that happens, they start to gain their identity through what they do instead of who they are. But when sonship is established, you're doing the miracle
0: because of who you are. You're, you're, you're doing the miracle because of who you are. Yeah, it's weird because when Peter, like you know, you know, performed the miracle, and I have to kind of be careful how I say this uh, you know, the guy who was a crippled and you know put at the beautiful gate. Yeah, Peter said, you know, it wasn't because of our piety or strength that this man was made well, but by the name of Christ, by the name of Jesus. Uh-huh.
5: You're he- healing somebody through the power of God through you, because Holy Spirit flows through you just like he did through Jesus, because of God's love for
0: the Holy Spirit flows through you. Not the Holy Spirit, but just Holy Spirit flows. This is so weird. Their pneumatology is really messed up.
5: So God will flow through you, no matter if your garden is clean or not. But you're a steward of your own heart.
0: Yeah, is your garden clean?
5: So we can cry out for more of an intimacy with God, for for us to pursue Him in a more intense desire, to where we want His things and everything we do. Look, here's this. I just want to read this one, this one section real quick, and I'm going to pray because I believe this is a right now word for the body.
0: Right now, word from from Todd White, part of the new breed, you know.
5: It says in Matthew 7, it says in verse 21, it says not every...
0: Yeah, wouldn't Matthew 7 from the Sermon on the Mount not be a right now word, but like, you know, a word that is the word of God and is for any moment, not just this moment? Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, Christians have had Matthew 7 for two millennia.
5: It says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven...
0: Yeah, what's the will of God that you believe in the one whom he sent?
5: Notice it says, does the will, not just knows the will, but does the will. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, didn't we prop?"
0: So notice the self-righteousness that comes uh, as part and parcel of those who believe they are part of the new breed. Mm -hmm.
5: Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do many wonders in your name? Because God will flow through anybody because he loves people. So here's the deal. Doing the will of God, knowing the will of God, and not just walking by it, but doing it. Knowing it and doing it, hearing and doing, where relationship
0: enters in. Hearing and doing, yeah, that means you need to have direct revelation from God, and then you need to obey it directly. Yeah, we do have direct revelation from God in the scriptures. Um, and let's find out if you're doing it. Check the Ten Commandments. How How you doing?
5: To where you wouldn't want anything else. It says, Didn't we do all the stuff in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Here's the key, you who practiced lawlessness. Grace is never licensed to sin. But
0: yeah, that's right. You know, and in that passage, you know, those say to me, Lord, Lord. Uh-huh. Fascinating what he's doing here. It's funny that he's not seeing that this text, I mean, in Matthew 7, is clearly referring to the false prophets and false teachers and miracle workers, false miracle workers within the charismatic and NAR movements. That's exactly who Jesus is referring to in uh, in, in Matthew 7. And if you don't believe me, let's take a closer look at what the text says. Because Jesus clearly is describing people like Todd White and Patricia King and the sneaky squid spirit lady, Jennifer LeClaire and Ryan Lestrange and folks of that ilk. That's who he is referring to. Um, so he, here's what it says, Matthew seven thirteen. enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many. The gate is narrow, the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Because be- beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. The healthy tree cannot bear Bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name, Basta, man, Basta, and do many mighty works in your name. Yeah, going and declaring the word of Basta. And then will will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, mm -hmm, you can only find these words in the written word of God would be like a wise man who built a house on the rock, and the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so interesting, because Jesus is describing, literally, Today's modern day narismatics, N A R, charismatics, uh huh. That's who he's describing. And here's one of them claiming to be the new breed, and he is so self righteous he can't even see past his own nose. And he doesn't even see the very clear warning against him and for him in the Sermon on the Mount in the written word of God.
5: Grace empowers you to what truth calls you to. So we can walk in such a measure of sonship, in such a measure of the love of God, in a profuse relationship with God, to where lawlessness and unrighteousness is so far from us, where we want nothing to do with that, because when we do with that, it has to interfere with this. And nothing interferes with this, because this becomes our number one priority. It's called seeking first the kingdom of God and His his righteousness. When you do that, all things are added to you. Lawlessness ought not be a part of the body of Christ. People ought to seek Christ. Seek
0: first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the imputed righteousness of God that's given to us by grace through faith. Not our own righteousness, his righteousness. Yeah, it's so sad. This guy can't even pay attention to the actual text to rightly exegete it. He's totally flipped it on its head and turned it into self-righteousness.
5: And you said that they want what you have. It's time for us to shine. Shine doesn't just mean tell people that Jesus loves them. Shine means that everything about your life must be beautiful. There's a Daniel kind of spirit that's coming upon people.
0: Yeah, the Daniel generation is another word for this.
5: In this day, to where people are going to walk with no compromise, where they're going to be in the midst of a lion's den, and God shuts the mouths of lions. And when the king says, Daniel, did your God... Did your God keep you?
0: Yeah, the story of Daniel in the lions' den is type and shadow of Christ's death and resurrection.
5: My God has found no fault in me because there's a place where we can walk in purity. And
0: your God has found no fault in you because you're walking in purity. <laughs> Rather than your sins being um well bled for and died for by Christ. Really?
5: ...holiness and peace, and without that, no one will see the Lord. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, God, to an uncompromised breed of Christian that is going to walk out the truth of the gospel, that nothing is going to interfere with this. God, I thank you for the profuse grace coming upon the body.
0: No profuse grace, yeah, to walk without compromise.
5: ...compromise in Jesus' name. Mark them, God, in Jesus' name.
0: All right. So uh, there's Todd White uh, praying for the marking of the uh, <clears throat> of the new breed. Last in our biographical sketch of the new breed is uh, Matt Sorger. Yeah, we've uh, done quite a few uh, updates on Matt Sorger and uh, listen to him talking about how he also, just like Todd Bentley and Todd White is a
7: member of the new breed. Here we go. Young Matt filled with the Holy Spirit. Developed an intense desire to know the Lord in a deeper way.
0: Now, this is the life story of uh, Matt Serger as uh, featured on Sid Roth's It's Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, young Matt is, what, 14 years old? Young teenage type.
10: I love you, Holy Spirit.
7: He was literally drawn by the Holy Spirit and spent many hours in daily intimate worship and fellowship with the Lord. The lifestyle of prayer has been with him ever since and has given birth to the present ministry. In nineteen ninety-two, Matt receives his first prophetic word, which sets the stage for the rest of his life, about being a new breed of leader, a leader that Oh, wow. And Matt Sorger's part of the new breed, who knew? Marked by character, love, Christlikeness, power, and is sensitive to the voice of God. This new breed will be spirit... He's a sensitive. Sounds like a psychic, doesn't it? Lead and do things never done before. After graduating from Zion Bible College with highest honors, Matt went into full-time ministry and soon began traveling globally. June 2002, Matt takes part in his first international outreach.
4: Hello,
10: we bring you greetings from sunny Tanzania, Africa. It's a beautiful day here. We just got back from one of our outreaches. We've done three open air market outreaches so far. Fill them now. Besides our healing crusade, miracle crusade that we had last night. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Many people healed and delivered. They were saying that in the crusades that have been here last night, the miracles that took place were were greater for the first night of the crusade than any other crusades that have been so far. And God wants to use you as you go forth in this revolution. God wants to release power, signs, wonders, miracles through your life.
7: Matt Sorger officially begins Matt Sorger Ministries.
10: I pray out of this place, God raises up over a hundred fiery revivalists that he commissions and sends around the world.
7: And almost immediately, Matt begins sponsoring major awakening conferences. Fe-
0: yeah, featuring James Gall, Heidi Baker, many Christian leaders. And Cindy Jacobs, who knew? Uh-huh. And Bill Hammond.
7: A major thrust for these conferences is to empower the body of Christ and to prepare each individual to flow in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit to become a new breed of Christian. Mm, yeah,
0: so Matt Ministry ministry is all about... Uh anointing and uplifting and revealing and uh, empowering the new breed.
7: Hmm. Hearted to God, carrying out supernatural exploits with the love of Jesus. August 2005, Charisma Magazine names Matt as one of 30 young leaders representing a new breed for the 21st century church.
0: Uh, wow. He was number 27. Yeah. He was part of the new breed, uh, identified by none other than Charisma Magazine. Uh Uh-huh.
10: But the new breed that God is raising up, they are presence-driven.
0: Yeah, yeah, the new breed. Yeah, they're they're not like your ordinary Christians. They're super-de-duper Christians. They're the new breed of Christians. They're they're like Christians 2.0. It's a full upgrade, man.
10: They are driven by the Spirit of God. To get as close to the presence of God as possible.
7: Called into media, Matt begins producing a TV program.
10: I want to begin this program by sharing a scripture on the person of the Holy Spirit. But what should it be called? And this is Matt Sauger, and you're watching American Idol.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Ultimately, they chose the name Power for Life. And it began airing globally in May 2008.
10: And we say, Father, let the fire of God visit every single home watching in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, people, give God a great shout tonight. Holy Spirit and power,
8: the people, fill. Your people
10: with the glory of heaven. There he is, there he is, there he is, there he is. Receive him right there. Receive him right there.
7: From New York to China, to Colombia, to India. Matt brings the glory and the power of God for those who are hungry.
0: Yeah, it's like he's a little Christ here on earth, a little anointed one, huh? Yeah, false Christ. How many are hungry? hungry
4: for more of the glory. More of the glory.
7: The gospel and the anointing, as well as humanitarian needs, are freely distributed far and wide. The poor in Israel. Water wells in Mozambique. Girls orphanage in India. Sensing a greater call of destiny upon the ministry.
0: Greater Call of Destiny. Now he's got James Gall and Don Lauper on the stage with him there. Matt
7: becomes reordained under Prophet James Gall.
0: Under Prophet James Gall. Uh Uh-huh. Matthew
7: James Sorger as a worldwide ambassador. September 2011. Charisma House publishes Matt's first book, Power for Life.
2: Matt, I've been reading your book and have been a complete wreck. I have been crying with every chapter, and I can't stop crying. I just finished reading chapter 7 that speaks about integrity, brokenness, and repentance. And at times, I had to stop and put the book down because I felt God's presence on me so intensely. Because of your book, I feel so much closer to God.
0: That's weird. I mean... How many people send in their uh, testimonials saying, you know, when I was reading my Bible, I, you know, I, I felt the spirit of God so intensely over me. Yeah, that's kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah. But it doesn't happen when you, when you read your Bible. It happens when, you know,
7: Matt Sorgers' book is being read. You? No, thank you, Noreen, for God is preparing a new breed in the earth, a people who are marked by the love of God, the servanthood of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. As we pause to take note of what God is doing through this ministry, let us also understand that God wants you to be part of this new breed.
0: Yeah, that's right. Can you? Vo- so apparently you can volunteer for the new breed. I don't know if you'll be chosen. You, know. you have to be young, though. I think, I think I'm too old to be part
10: of the new breed. You might be watching from your living room tonight. No, actually, I'm in my
0: pirate cave.
10: Your, your heart is burning with a fire for God. And you're saying, God, I want to do great things for you. I want to do mighty things for you. God, I want to lay my hands on the sick. I want to cast down devils. I want to preach the gospel. I want to see nations shaking.
0: Well, you want to shake the nations? Okay. You are part of the new breed. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, so there you go. Um, yeah, so Matt Sorger, I mean, he's been commissioned. I mean, he reordained on the uh, Apostle James Gall. And uh, this is a fellow who, you know, he's part of the new breed and he's been raised up to, you know, bring the new breed, you know, to the forefront of human history. (sighs) Isn't that weird, though? Because there are Christians from the time of Christ's ascension and the day of Pentecost until the time of his return. And we, according to the Apostle Peter, have a faith that that is on equal standing even with the apostles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one thing that you clearly see in the New Testament is that Christians of our day and Christians of the day of Christ and the day of the apostles all have a faith that's of equal standing. These people are teaching the the new breed, this uh, Christianity, uh, Christian's 2.0. They're better than the Christians who came before them. Their faith is not on an equal standing with you and I. No, their, their faith is of a more excellent stripe and variety. They are able to operate in the supernatural where you you can't. Yeah, I mean, you're, that's because you're just a lousy Christian 1.0. But if you desire to, you know, to be a part of the new breed, apparently you can be part of it. But you're going to note here that Scripture doesn't speak this way. These men are self-righteous, self-absorbed, money-grubbing, glory-hoarding, desiring kind of people. They are false anointed ones. There is no such thing as Christianity 2.0 or a new breed of Christians. Beware of those who would try to teach you that you can be part of some new thing that God's doing and that there's a new breed of Christian about to enter the earth. You can join the ranks of men like Todd Bentley, Todd White, and Matt Sorger. Mm-hmm. You don't want to join their ranks because they're not a new breed of Christian. They are just the same old breed of heretic. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard... On this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. Yeah, we're going to listen to Brian Houston mangle the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We will be right back.
10: No itching ears are scratched here.
0: For additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith, sermon review time. Boy, this is a sneaky one. Just saying. And we've already reviewed part of it in a Hillsong segment, but it deserves a full review. But let's do this right.
1: Hey, Cole. The good, the
0: bad, the ugly, we review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Hillsong Church Sydney, Australia. Brian Houston presiding name of the sermon from paupers to princes. And we're going to note that uh, Brian Houston is going to talk about the seven mountains. Yeah, that's because Hillsong is actually part of the NAR. They are. Um, But we're also going to note how he engages in obfuscation as it relates to Acts chapter 8 and the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. We'll compare what he says in the sermon with what he said in the past regarding this text. And note that uh, not only has Hillsong gone squishy and foggy and murky as it relates to homosexuality and homosexual sin... But the same also can be said regarding transgenderism and those suffering from gender dysphoria. Yeah, it's it's really a mess, the best way I can put it. So let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here's Brian Houston and his sermon titled, From Paupers to Princes. Here we go.
8: We'll always watch anyone who's behind your back. I know the Bible says God's got your back, but... from paupers to princes. I've been talking about kings and queens. The fact that God wants to raise people up, lift them, and in whatever walk of life they're called to. He didn't call you just to chase your tail in business. He called you to be a prince or a princess or a king or a queen in the business world. In other words, to be in a place where you... A
0: king or a
8: queen in the business world, Really? an impact and an influence and you make a greater difference. I want to start by talking about Israel and specifically Jerusalem and specifically the Dome on the Rock and the Temple Mount because as Christians, you go to Israel and it's awesome and you go to Jerusalem and it's so significant and where Jesus walked and talked and his disciples and so much Bible history throughout the entire scriptures, but there's something that's vexing for Christians. And that is, on the temple ruins, where of course we had an incredible worship night recently, right on the southern steps where Jesus and all of his contemporaries would have walked into worship in the temple. On the ruins of that temple sits a shrine, the dome on the rock. And on the temple mount, also significant for Christians, sits a mosque. I don't know about you but You kind of look at that and I look at all the promise of the scripture And a whole lot of theology About that side and about Jesus Second coming but I don't even Want to talk about that But I do want to talk about what Jesus said About a temple that is torn Down and it's in John Chapter 2 verse 19 and 21 It says Jesus Said destroy this temple And in three days I will raise it up That was his promise. That was declaration. You pull the temple down. I'll rebuild it in three days. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you say you're going to raise it up in three days. And this is where it changes. He was speaking of the temple of his own body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead... His disciples remembered that he had said this to them and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. I wonder if sometimes we have our eyes on the wrong temple. Jesus said, I can, you pull the temple down, you destroy the temple, I'll rebuild it in three days. Of course, in the death of Jesus, that's exactly what happened. They destroyed, crucified the temple. But three days later, he rose again. Do you know? Everything about the gospel message is about raising and lifting and resurrecting and building. He takes...
0: Everything about the gospel message is about resurrecting
8: paupers and he makes them princes he said i'm the resurrection and the life we're told the same spirit that raised christ from the dead dwells in us especially this time of the morning in the service that you're in the same spirit that rose jesus from the dead dwells in us we are resurrection people we are
0: we are resurrection people Uh uh-huh
8: life-giving people we are involved in the building of other people now listen God always lifts the lives of people Uh I believe that God lifts the lives of those who lift the lives of others And that's why in the season... So
0: God lifts the lives of those
8: who lifts the lives of others.
0: Uh, The man-made doctrine, I'm not sure where in the scripture it teaches such a thing. Church has once a year
8: called Heart for the House, where people sacrificially give. So now we talk about how great Hillsong is. At the end of the financial year has been so powerful because it's always about lifting the lives of others. And God lifts the lives of those... Who lift the lives of others. And no matter which way you look at it. We just saw a video in our church where we talked about the fact that buildings are not just brick and mortar. If you look at that, the physical building, you're actually in many ways looking at the wrong thing. That's the skin. But it's always about what it allows us to do for people. To lift the lives of people. You can look at Africa and what we're doing there right now through Hillsong Church. To make a difference in children of Mumbai and other cities in, did I say India? Or you can look at Africa where we're working through the Hillsong Africa Foundation or in Thailand, where we're working in cooperation with A21. You can look at 180TC right here in Sydney and in Australia who are helping addicted young people to get out of bondage and give them a beginning and a future and a hope and to lift their life. No matter which way you look, it's about lifting the lives of people. So God always lifts the lives of those who are beat up or are broken down. He lifts the plight of the poor. And you know, the Bible says that many, many, many times over. Let me share just a few of them with you as we get started. In Psalm 107, verse 41. This is what the word of God says there. He, yet he sets the poor on high. What? Does he squash them down? Does he crush them? Does he keep them depressed? Does he keep them impoverished? He sets the poor on high. I love this line. Far from affliction. He removes them far from their afflictors and from their affliction, from their trouble and from their challenge and makes their families like a rock. Psalm 113. It's a promise to the poor and about becoming princes. Verses 7 and verse 8. I love these verses. He raises. What does he do? He He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. He raises, he lifts. It's a theme right through scripture. He raises and he lifts. He fills us with resurrection life. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes. And who are the poor
0: and needy? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who recognize that they are spiritually bankrupt and in need of God's forgiveness and righteousness.
8: With the princes of his people. He lifts people to be princes in business, in government.
0: There's the seven mountains. He lifts people uh in business and in government. These are the seven mountains. Hillsong is an NAR organization.
8: In education, in the media, in commerce, in Christian ministry, in the church, in the, whichever way you want to look at it, he lifts, he raises, he resurrects. That's the spirit of the God that we serve. That psalm, Psalm 113, is written by an unknown psalmist, kind of like the unknown soldier. We don't exactly know who wrote the psalm, but obviously he could witness the power of God. Well, Hannah, God gave Hannah way back in 1 Samuel, a miracle son, a son that it was impossible to have. God answered her prayer. And in her prayer, after God had miraculously given her a son, she says those same words. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. Exalt yourself. God will humble you. Humble yourself, God will exalt you. He makes low. And he lifts up, the Bible says. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, I like this, and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the lords. On them he has set the world. When we understand the foundation that God gives us, that the foundation of the earth are the lords, that the verses are full of Promise. The first promise, he lifts the poor. The second promise, he seats them with princes. The third promise, he enables them to sit on a throne of honor. We come into a throne room of grace as New Testament believers. So, in a throne room of grace, he, the Lord, who sits on a throne, enables us to live. With a throne of honor, so beautiful,
0: so he enables us to live with a throne of honor. Yeah, yeah. Notice he's basically talking about the here and the now. Yeah, throne of honor. You know, in business, in government, in education, uh huh powerful.
8: I don't know how you couldn't get excited today. I don't know how you couldn't let a bit of resurrection light lift you up, elevate you, pump you up, have you ready for everything. Oh, 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 that God is wanting to do today. And I dare you to come up here. I'll punch you down. Uh, I'm feeling, no, don't come up, please, please don't come up here. You know, and I would never punch you. I would never punch anyone on my front row. If you're a few rows back. (laughs) <laughs> he lifts the poor, he sits them with princes, he enables them to inherit a throne. So God lifts, and he elevates, and he raises, and he resurrects.
0: But you know something? Yeah, notice how in the abstract he's talking here. This is just weird. Abstract elevation, abstract lifting,
8: abstract resurrecting. This is what I want you to really think about. God lifts the lives of those who lifts the lives of others. If you're a person who does in life, think about other people get moved by the plight of other people. Anywhere, in any way, for any reason. You live your life lifting the lives of people. You open yourself up to the promises of God which are for those who
0: lift the lives of others. You open yourself up to the promises of God by lifting people? Uh, Promises are, uh, well, they are apprehended by faith. Yeah.
8: Listen to this beautiful Psalm. Psalm 41, verses 1 to 3. And listen to what it says about those who lift the lives of others. It says, oh, the joy of those who are kind to the poor The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. Listen to this. These are promises for those who decide you care about the world around and about you. You're not just living self-indulgent, thinking about yourself. You actually want to make a Difference And listen to these promises, because I want to pray them over you when I've finished preaching. I want to pray them like a benediction over you when I've finished preaching. Here they are from those verses right there. May the Lord rescue you when you're in trouble. May the Lord protect you and keep you alive. Some of us need that more than others. We need to believe God to protect us and just keep us alive. I was in Canberra during this last week and I was speaking for a friend, Sean, who has been my friend for the best part of 40 years. So like you do when you're a little older and you get with old friends, start telling old stories. He says, it's only the grace of God that you're still alive. He says to me. And so some of us need that promise right there more than others do. Listen to it again. It said, by the way, don't ever, young people, Take your life into your own hands. Be wise. You've got too much to offer. On behalf of all parents. Everywhere. You know, you pray for them when they're little babies and they can't burp up. And then you pray for them when they start to walk and watch the swimming pool. and. Then you pray for them going to school, that they know which way to look on the road. And then you end up praying for them when they're teenagers, that God will just keep them on course. And then you pray for them when they find their partner, that they will find the right partner. Then you pray for them a little later when maybe there's tough times. In other words, it never changes. It never changes. But here's a promise for them. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. Here's the next promise the Lord gives them. Those who help others and raise and lift the lives of others, he gives them prosperity in the land. The Lord rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them, comforts them.
0: Yeah, now i, I got to point this out. are these Christ, Are these promises for those who earn these promises? No, promises are believed by faith. And and so the idea here is what is being referred to are the promises that go along with those who, by grace through faith, have been brought to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, resurrected, resurrected from uh, the dead spiritually, will be resurrected physically. And these are the promises to them. And the reason they do these good works and uphold and uplift others is because that's what Christians do, in love to neighbor. Christians do good works because Christians are Christians. They don't do them for the rewards. And it's weird, because what he's talking about, he's mixing strange categories. And I can't help shake this sick feeling that who he's really preaching about is
8: Hillsong they are sick, the Lord restores them to health. If those aren't great promises, I do not know what is. And God is a God who keeps his word, who keeps promise, who keeps covenant. And thank God that we can live according to the promises of an almighty God. And that's why we should speak them over our lives. So God, he lifts the hurting and the poor. We can easily look at the world and the level of poverty How many people are living under a dollar a day, which are the true world's poor? And you can say, well, how's that working for all these people? How does this message relate to poor people? That's where you and I come into it. We're called to lift the lives of other people. That's the church in action. That's what the church is about. That's part of the reason why you are a believer. That's part of the reason why you are serving God. Because we care about other people. Whether it's the literal poor living under a dog. Yeah, he's preaching about Hillsong a day or for some $2 a day or whether it's those who are just impoverished, they're poor they're poor thinking, or whether it's people who are just so beat down that they're poor in spirit, not in the way Matthew 5 talks about it, but they are just in a way where just in a way where their spirits are depressed and defeated and so low that God lifts the lives of people and He lifts the lives of those who lift the lives of others. That.
0: Again, talking about our good works in the abstract and making it sound like we earn God's blessings and we earn promises. Promises are promises.
8: Man, this is so odd. The word of the Lord. And God has always been a heavy lifter. He's always been. Uh, David knew it. He talked about the glory of God, which he knew was God's goodness and God's grace. And he says, Psalm 3, verse 3, you're my glory and the one who lifts my head. God is a lifter of people. Yeah,
0: the lifter of our heads.
8: (laughs) That's an important thing.
0: Scripturally, you know, our heads are brought low because of our sin. God is the one who lifts our head because of his grace and his mercy.
8: Heads when heads are bowed down. I always hope at church that you leave with your head lifted up no matter how bowed down it was when you came in. That's part of my absolute, absolute commitment when people come into the house of God that they'll walk out feeling tall, shoulders back, feeling like they're six foot fifteen. Yeah.
0: Um, that describes a motivational speech and the outcome of a motivational speech rather than biblical preaching and teaching.
8: Feeling like they are giants in Jesus' name, because we want to share a word of life, not a word of morbidity or death.
0: Or yeah, no, none of those death words. They, the only life words there at Hillsong. Yeah. Uh...
8: Anyone here go to Sunday school, kids' church, in your life ever? Give, give me a wave, ever, ever, anywhere in Australia. Winter? Hey, you probably have heard of. A guy called Daniel in a lion's den. Possibly.
0: Yeah, the story of Daniel in the lion's den, it it prefigures the death and resurrection of Jesus Mm -hmm. in type and shadow.
8: Must be one of those first stories we ever learn. It's an amazing story, really. Daniel was an alien in Babylon, a foreigner, a man who was worshipping a god that really annoyed a lot of people because people wanted King Nebuchadnezzar, the king. To worship him. So people pressured that king, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah,
0: Daniel in the lion's den doesn't feature Nebuchadnezzar.
8: king features Darius. So had come up with a decree that if anyone worshipped a god, other than the king himself, they'd be put to death. Now, Nebuchadnezzar actually liked Daniel. Daniel had risen to a place of influence. But I guess he was a weak king and he had the pressure and he had made this foolish decree that if you worship any other god, you'll be killed. And Daniel was not the kind who would shrink back. He was not a shrinking violet. He worshipped the God that he knew was God, was Lord, and he refused not to worship him. And he ends up in a pit. He ends up in a den. A lion's den. But the scripture is powerful. It says in verse 23, Daniel 6, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. To what? Lift Daniel. He's a lifter. To lift Daniel. He's a heavy lifter. To lift (laughs) Daniel.
0: To somehow sit there and say because Daniel was lifted out of the lion's den, that means God is a lifter. We have some spatial twisting going on
8: here. Out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted his God. That's awesome. There wasn't a scratch on him. And, you know, the king was thrilled because he, he actually liked Daniel, but the stupid decree, he, he was overjoyed, but... I actually love the fact that literally for him, he trusted God. There was not a scratch on him. No wound was found on him. And, you know, life, sometimes we are wounded. I've been wounded.
0: Oh, this is so bad. Every text is in the abstract here.
8: You've been wounded. And sometimes wounds are formed in us. But I wonder if in trusting God, in the last service... I couldn't say wounds. I either got worms or wombs. <laughs> and now it's hitting me again. The wobble are getting me. Are they wombs? No. Nope. Are they worms? No. Wounds. Hey, the wombs. The wounds. The wombs. The wounds may be formed in us. But let's believe God. They won't be found on us. Amen. They just...
0: Misappropriating there, the uh, the conclusion of Daniel in the lion's den.
8: Won't be found on us. They won't be found.
0: Which wounds in, are you talking about in particular? These are kind of like wounds in abstraction, abstractio.
8: Hmm. Us at all. <laughs> He's a prince maker. He's a people lifter. That's a goal.
0: Yeah, he's going to lift you and make you a prince. Serving the
8: story after story. There's
0: And apparently that's in the here and now, not in the new earth.
8: Scripture after scripture, there's person after person, Bible character after Bible character that tells the story of God with resurrection life, lifting other people.
0: Right, God lifts other people. So there's your
8: big theme. He's 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 the big lifter, lifting people. So I've been reading about a eunuch, a eunuch who converted to Judaism.
0: Now we're going to pause right there. We're going to go back in time a few years, and we're li- going to go to Vision Sunday at uh, for 2015 over at uh, I'm sorry, 20, yeah, Vision 2014. Uh, 2014 for uh, Hillsong, and we're going to pay attention to what he did with the story of the Ethiopian eunuch back then, because it's important. So notice, uh, Brian Houston here is talking these vagaries. Uh, God is the lifter. He he lifts people. He t- takes paupers and turns them into princes. He he's he's a resurrector of, of you know and of things and stuff. And, you know, and if you lift people, God will lift you. And so it's all about Hillsong. Hillsong is the lifty kind of churchy thingy. It's all vague. But let's go back and see what Houston did with this in 2014. Listen carefully. Again, we're back in time now. Watch what he does with this same
8: text. second thing is a pioneer reaches the unreachable and includes the excluded. I love this thought. Think about this. The first three individuals, when the gospel goes beyond Jerusalem and Judea to Samaria, and then ultimately to the uttermost parts of the end, the first three individual uh, converts that are mentioned, in other words, new believers, the first one is a wizard. His name's Simon, who confounded the people with magic tricks. They were astonished with... His magic. He's a sorcerer, a wizard. The second one, later in Acts chapter 8, is an Ethiopian eunuch. Putting it bluntly, he was castrated, which I guess made him a part of a minority group.
0: Part of a minority group. Huh. Yeah. Um. You just have to wonder, what group is he somehow likening them to as minorities. Very strange. Very strange.
8: The third one was a terrorist. (laughs) His name was Saul in Acts chapter 9. The Bible literally describes Saul as breathing threats and slaughter against Christians. And not only that, he was described as being in full agreement with Stephen being put to death. How's that for an encouraging front row in church? The first three. What have you got? You've got a guy who's still got his tarot cards in one hand and astrology charts in the other hands. You've got a guy who's got real sexual identity problems. He's not sure who he is.
0: Sexual identity problems. Uh Uh-huh.
8: Then you've got a third person who's a terrorist. That's pretty encouraging for the worship team when they look down.
0: I lo- mm. yeah, all during the time when on their worship team, they actually had practicing impenitent homosexuals.
8: The fact that maybe not terrorists, but I love the fact that still our church is a church which is for whosoever will, till the Lord may come. It's never been built on superstars necessarily or...
0: Pe- Except for Justin Bieber, yeah.
8: We've got it all together. It's really reached people in all walks of life, the down and out, the up and out, everything in between. And I pray we'll always be that kind of church. And a pioneering spirit keeps...
0: Yeah, notice back then in 2014, who is he preaching about? Yeah, Hillsong. And he identified the Ethiopian eunuch as a fellow who's part of a minority group with sexual identity problems. Uh-huh.
8: That kind of spirit happening in the church. Third thing about a pioneering spirit is a pioneer sings a song that is music to the uninitiated but sounding brass to the establishment. In other words, stepping forward into new ground. Not everybody who represents the status quo or the establishment gets excited about the new thing that God is doing. In the Bible, you can see the new thing. That sounds a lot like the new breed. New thing God is doing, yeah. Initiated those who had just been literally connected to Jesus. There was great joy in the city. Acts chapter 8, verse 7. There was great joy in the city, the Bible says. It's verse 8, I think. Great joy. (laughs) But not everyone thought that way. A couple of chapters before in Acts chapter 6. God was doing an amazing thing. The church was multiplying and they were having quickly to keep up with all that God was doing. And so there was a little bit of reorganizing the way things could be done so that the apostles could keep in the word and keep in prayer. And in the middle of that, it describes Stephen. Stephen is described as being full of faith. Listen to it. It's in Acts chapter 6 verse 8. It says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And then it says, there arose some from what is called, it's important to think about this, they were from what? The synagogue of the freedmen. Tells us where those people were from, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, etc., who were disputing with Stephen. In other words, they were angry about the new grace, about What was God was doing and who were they
0: angry about the new grace?
8: Uh They were the synagogue of the freedmen, literally former slaves who had come into newfound freedom, had encountered a grace for themselves and yet were opposed to the new thing that God has done. The new thing, talking about in abstraction here. Often with the spirit of a pioneer, you start taking new ground, you start occupying all streets. And it's incredible how often it's not people out there in the world who get upset about what God's doing. In fact, they've got a heart that's open to it. It's often people who experience grace themselves, who have known the freedom of Jesus Christ themselves, and yet when grace goes into something new, God begins a new thing. It's amazing how they're the people who often are the blindest and the ones who find it most difficult to see. Music to the ears of the uninitiated, sounding brass sometimes to the status quo. I don't want to be one who's encountered the grace of Jesus myself. And then misses out when God begins to do new things. I want to keep that pioneer again spirit so I stay on the edge. I was pioneering when I was 25, 26, 29 years of age, and I'm almost 60, and I want to keep looking forward and keep the same pioneering spirit today because once a pioneer, always a pioneer.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so you'll note that uh, the thing that he has in common with this sermon and the sermon from Vision Sunday 2014, is the twisting of the story of the Ethiopian eunuch while preaching about Hillsong. Mm-hmm. Which is why he has to preach in abstractions, which is what he's doing. Now, let's see what he does with this uh, paupers to princes in this, in this sermon with the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember, God is the lifter. He's the resurrector. He's the... Um, yeah, he, he, again, all these weird vagaries of what God is doing and, and can do uh, in the context of preaching about Hillsong.
8: Okay. From Ethiopia, a eunuch is somebody who doesn't have their male parts, very simply. And so this particular eunuch, the Bible tells us that he was a man of great authority under the actual Ethiopian queen, Candace. Candace was the queen and he looked after all her money and all the nation's money. He was the treasurer. He was a man of incredible influence in his own country. He was a man who was affluent in his own country. He was a man who was smart. He handled all the finances, but it didn't help him when he felt like an outsider in the religion he wanted to embrace. And so there's a theologian called Robert Wall who called this eunuch a uh, devoted proselyte, a devoted proselyte, another a convert to Judaism who was part of the diaspora, and the diaspora are Jews who live outside of Palestine or Israel, scattered around the world, usually because of persecution or opposition or being unaccepted.
0: And so he was one of or being unaccepted. Now you got to understand this is that in the mosaic covenant um, men who f- have have had their male parts mutilated you know like eunuchs they are they are they cannot be brought into full fellowship uh, despite what their confession of faith is at least full fellowship within the assembly of Israel yeah, that's kind of important, but he is a, so he's definitely a proselyte and he's kept at a distance by the mosaic law. And so his conversion is a big deal, showing that God is kind of busted through the boundaries set up by the by the Torah because it's salvation by grace through faith for all human beings. That's why it's catholic and universal. That you know, that's why Christianity became known as uh, the Catholic faith, because it 's a universal faith for all people, so this is clearly going to demonstrate the Catholicity of Christianity. But note what um, Brian Houston is doing here mm-hmm. he 's basically again using this text to talk about those who 've been kept at a distance ah oh, who 've been excluded. They are now being included, and hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we all know who this is really referring to, right? hmm Yeah, this is really dangerous, what he's doing.
8: This people, an African man, who was seeking God and seeking God, and out from that, he decided to go to Jerusalem. And he goes to Jerusalem because he's searching for God, but the very place where he was hoping to find god he was marginalized pushed out to the edges he wasn't accepted he was squashed down and that's where an evangelist called philip comes into it he
0: he was squashed down pushed to the
8: edges Uh uh-huh weird of course he's a radical evangelist he's part of the early church and god wakes him up and tells him to go to the road south to gaza from jerusalem Because there, God was going to do something. And so Philip, being obedient, he makes his way down there. And what does he come across? He comes across an African eunuch, I guess discouraged, in his chariot, heading back. A discouraged
0: African eunuch.
8: Let's read the text.
0: Uh, Acts 8.26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, go to the south, to the road that goes down between Jerusalem and Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asking, do you understand what you are reading. And he said, "...how can I unless someone guides me?" So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, "...like a sheep that was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken from the earth." So we see that this Ethiopian just happened to be reading Isaiah chapter 53. Uh Uh-huh. By his stripes we are healed on, you you know, that God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This great passage prophesying Christ. So the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, as he had passed through. He preached the gospel to all towns until he came to Caesarea." So we're going to note that, um, well, Brian Houston is already twisting this text, adding stuff to it that's not there, all under the guise of kind of filling out the the rest of the data, which he hasn't really done. Hmm, he's definitely tampering with this text and has an agenda.
8: South of Israel toward Ethiopia, he's reading the scriptures. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. He's got these... Isaiah scrolls, and he's reading them out loud. So Philip, he catches up to the chariot, and he asks him, do you know what you're reading? He tells him it's the book of of Isaiah. And so Philip says, can I help you understand it? Now, naturally speaking, that could have been an insult right there because he's just... A-
0: yeah, notice, Brian Houston's not reading out the text. Already his narration, uh, re-narration of the
8: text is wobbly up man he's saying this guy says sure come on up i even love that because philip didn't look down on this african eunuch no he went up to this th-
0: <laughs> directional misdirection in the sermon here
8: african eunuch And they shed together, and of course the fantastic story is he has a radical conversion, the eunuch, to Jesus Christ. He finds Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he found through Jesus Christ, all flesh, everybody can know salvation in God. And so it's a powerful, powerful story. But this man, he's marginalized, he's ostracized when it came to his attempt to embrace God.
0: Where does it say that? He actually went to Jerusalem, worshipped God in Jerusalem, and he left with a, with a very expensive Isaiah scroll. <laughs> Doesn't sound like he's being marginalized to me at all.
8: And the point that he was a eunuch is relevant because not having his male parts, and, of course, the Jews, especially Jewish males, obviously, the physical way they identify with their Judaism... I don't need to say. Circumcision. And so he didn't have that. So even physically, he was pushed to the side. He was pushed to the margins. As a matter of fact... As I read what the Bible says. Yeah, he's
0: really overemphasizing that.
8: The old covenant and the law about these things, Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. There's no place. That's right.
0: Deuteronomy 23 puts the prohibition there. But notice what he is doing. He's not talking about, well, he was at the temple. He was able to worship. He wasn't able to go into the inner court, but he was able to go to the, uh, the court of the Gentiles. And he leaves with an Isaiah scroll. Clearly, he is a devoted proselyte and doesn't talk about any persecution that he's ex- ex- experiencing.
8: Are you? If you've got that kind of disability, if you carry that kind of wound, there's no place for you. If you're emasculated by crushing or mutilation. But the word of God always brings hope to all people. To all people. So I read Isaiah chapter 56. And as I read this, I book these scriptures in Isaiah. Don't forget, that's what the eunuch's reading. The book of Isaiah. And this promise here for... No, he's not
0: reading Isaiah 56. He's reading Isaiah 53.
8: And those who are outsiders, the son of foreigners, and this promise for eunuchs, listen to it, because it's awesome. It says... Verse 3, do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord. Um, what?
0: The text he was reading was Isaiah 53, not 56. Oh, man, this is really, really slick as far as the twisting goes.
8: He's saying, don't speak like this. Don't speak saying the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. In other words, don't see yourself outside, marginalized, ostracized. There are people here who at school, you've been forced to feel marginalized, ostracized. I felt like that at school.
0: Oh, man. Wow, the implications of this regarding homosexuality and transgenderism is breathtaking. He is literally muddying the waters on that. Wow.
8: Felt like I didn't belong, my happiest day was the day I got out of high school And I didn't graduate, I walked out Children, young people On behalf of all parents I've done okay Goes on, nor let the eunuch say Here I am, a dry tree Don't say that For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house, listen to this, and within my walls a place and a name better than sons and daughters. Not only are you welcome, but your place is even better than the sons and the daughters of the house. What a different spirit between religion, no matter what the religion, that outcasts and ostracizes and marginalizes and you're not good enough. What a difference between that and this beautiful, beautiful promise from the book of Isaiah, one of the books that most prophesies Jesus. Listen to it. It's wonderful because it's saying, You're not going to be cut off. Your place is even better. I'll give you a place and a name better than sons and daughters. Listen to this. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. In the context of the word, cut off is relevant. Everyone got it? Okay. But God promises something that can't be taken from you. That can't hold you back. That gives you a seat at the table. That gives you a throne of honor. That causes you to sit with princes. That's what God offers His people. And it's beautiful. You know, I see just through the church life, people who, life itself tries to cut people off. I was thinking about a young man called Matt. As I tell the story, some of you will begin to know who I'm talking about here. Matt, he didn't come from a church home or necessarily a a Christian family, but he came, I think, from a good family. and He actually lived just down the road from us years ago in Kings Langley, which is near here. And, well, Matt, he came into church and his mum had just died and he was close to his mum. He loved his mother. So he had a huge heartache when he came to church and became a believer, became a Christian. He was a peer of my sons. So it was in that era in the youth group. And Matt was always a good guy. He kind of adopted Bobby and I in many ways because he was close to our family and close to our kids. And here's the thing. Not long after that, his father died. His father had been a businessman and been a hard worker all his life. And then he got married to a beautiful girl, Jill, and... Their first baby came along Far too early And people believed God and cried and prayed But their first baby went to heaven And their death devastated So you think of Matt Lost his mum, lost his dad He's only young First baby comes along, loses his first baby He could easily feel marginalised, cut off and Not only that But the way life went and Circumstances went His father was a business person But Matt and his brothers and sisters They They didn't see the inheritance kind of cut off from that today Matt who married an American girl from Florida is planting and pastoring a church in Florida today Matt and Jill have healthy children growing fast boys and girls and one in heaven today Matt has he moved away from investment banking which is what he did he's been online and Getting the word into him and getting himself trained online in theology and in Christian ministry. Mm. How look at Matt today and how life tried to cut him off.
0: Life tried to cut him off. What exactly was he feeling marginalized for again?
8: God has lifted him and raised him and brought him into a family who loves him and helps him. Let me tell you about George. George. He happens to be a grandfather of my grandkids. They call me Pops or they're supposed to. They always seem to call me Poppa. And they call him Ratu. There's a reason they call him Ratu. And that is because in Fiji, George is a chief. He's a big deal. But in Australia, when my son played rugby league for the Hills Bulls with Peter Togginabalu's older brother Julian, George was just one of the parents, just George Fijian George he was not Ratu to us, he wasn't a chief to us, but George I thought he didn't like me because he always, no matter what side of the field I went to, he went to the other side <laughs> there could be a couple of reasons for that, one could be because I was that parent Yep, I was that parent that now They don't even have scores anymore In junior sport I was one of those parents I was the guy So that could have been the reason But Maybe it's because I was a Christian, a pastor I didn't know, I don't know He obviously had me feeling like I was an outsider And big picture if I look back Most of those parents Kind of so Joel
0: I'm sorry not Joel but Brian Houston has felt like an outsider
8: a little like an outsider it wasn't about Ben Ben was one of the better players in the team so it wasn't about him it had to be about me again (laughs) and there's a reason they all thought I was an outsider and it didn't help that I wouldn't go to any of the social events but what am I supposed to do I'm the local pastor and they advertise events like booze boobs and barbecues (laughs) So hardly the place for me to be seen. (laughs) Right here in the Hills District. (laughs) Well, it turns out George, George, he had some kind of Christian heritage, but he hadn't been living good. His life was a mess, and George was kind of a bit of a wreck. And he wouldn't come on my side. I've learned since because of conviction. It made him feel bad about himself to get near the pastor. Today, George and his wife Vera. Grandparents, as I said to my grandkids, they are believers uh, in church life. They live in Fiji now some of the time, but still serving God. George is on side, but he had that feeling of being, ostracized i had that fear all of us at times have that feeling especially if you're younger you have that feeling and sometimes you feel like you're pushed into a mold or you feel like you're pushed down but god is a lifter he's a builder he's an
0: yeah god's a lifter he's a builder so if you've ever felt ostracized yeah
8: i tell you give you that seat of the table better better than a son or a daughter you cannot be cut off and here's the
0: Interesting thing, every one of us, because of God's law, feels cut off from God because we've all fallen short. Christ has forgiven us of our sins, bled and died for us, and it's because of his grace and his mercy that we have a seat at the table at the wedding feast of the Lamb. You kind of get the idea here? This is a legitimate theme if you preach it right, but Brian's up to no good here.
8: No matter what your disability, the eunuch, he was African in Jerusalem. There's a racial divide. He is a Gentile, non-Jew, seeking in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. There's a religious divide.
0: He Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God the Holy Spirit is now falling on the audience, getting people to make decisions of one type or another.
8: is a man who has physical anatomy, man, there was a physical divide. Every reason to be marginalized, just like some of us at times feel marginalized. The whole message of Jesus is about bringing people in. It's about including. It's about...
0: Yes, including through repentance and faith in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, because our sin is the thing that has
8: excluded us. Taking paupers, the poor, and making them princes. That's the message of Jesus.
0: No matter- yeah, no, that's not the message of Jesus. That's not the good news. This is a different gospel that he's preaching.
8: He went. If it's a woman of Samaria, she's excluded in so many ways. Samaritan, er, a woman, er, had lots of husbands and was living with a guy she was excluded in so many different ways that jesus broke gender divide just like he broke religious divides there's a blind since birth in john 9 blind since birth but what does jesus do when he comes across this blind boy he heals them but he did it on the sabbath And the religious people were furious that he would dare heal a boy on the Sabbath. But Jesus, he broke through religious divides and gave the boy at the table of healing. He gave him a seat at the table of healing. Look, you could talk about Paul. You know, He talked about the Jews and the Greeks and the Jews, they didn't accept Jesus because they were looking for a sign and the Greeks because they were looking for wisdom, something that appealed to their heads. So Jesus had no credibility because he was just a Jewish boy dying in disgrace. But thank God Jesus broke through the credibility divine. Zacchaeus is a rich man. Jesus
0: broke through the credibility divine? Is that like breaking through the sound barrier?
8: Jubious wealth up a tree. And I love this because Jesus, so much of his message was for the poor. But when a rich man up a tree, Jesus said, if you'll come down. If you humble yourself.
0: If- oh, man, that's not how the story of Zacchaeus goes. <sighs> Every text he's touched He's messing the up
8: Come down from your exalted position As a tax collector And a person who ripped He was up a tree because he wanted to see
0: Jesus and the crowd was so Big he couldn't see over them Because he was a small
8: man People Come down Humble yourself And I'll come with you to your house Where I'll lift you back up again So he broke through the status divide. Listen, Jesus, when it came to sin.
0: This sounds so much like liberalism, progressive liberalism. I'm telling you, same theology, same themes here too.
8: Hang out with publicans and sinners.
0: He broke through the sin divide when it came to death. The the sin divide, he broke through it. The sin divides is one of many divides that Jesus broke through. Lazarus,
8: he raised from the dead. What did he do? He raised him. The resurrection and the life. Even death was no separation from Jesus Christ, whether it's sin, whether it's death. For lepers, they had to walk around in Bible time shouting, unclean, unclean, so that people wouldn't come near them. You imagine that separation. You imagine that marginalizing. You imagine what that would feel like. You literally walked. Walking around all your life saying, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy. Jesus. He let lepers come to him and he went to lepers. He broke through that. No matter what's trying to separate you from the love of Christ, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Not death, nor life, nor angel, nor demon, nor principalities, nor power, nor things above or things below. There is nothing that can separate you from a God who lifts and raises and includes and builds and strengthens. Today we can trust God. And those of you who are lifting the lives of other people, right? now many in our own church through this heart for the house are you a lifter Can I tell you, you are a door opener, you are a gospel spreader, you are a life giver, you are a kingdom builder, you are a vision impactor, you are a whole lot of
0: vision impactor.
8: You are a blessing initiator, you are a church strengthener, you are living your lives lifting people and I'm speaking it and praying it over your life. God is going to lift you. If you believe it, say Amen. (laughs) Oh, I'm puffed. (laughs) Stand with me all across the church, everywhere. Done. Wow, I think you get the idea.
0: Very dangerous mishandling of that text. Uh, Very murky, foggy, ambiguous on purpose. Very abstract on purpose. And the implications are quite clear what he's up to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hillsong clearly has decided to not take a biblical stand when it comes to the actual sins that exclude people from Christ and call people to repent and be forgiven. Yep, what a mess. So, what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fire Follow me on Twitter, my name there at fire Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.